0: All right, so Mark chapter 2. Let's give our attention uh, to God's inerrant word. It is not able to err. It is perfect. Uh, Mark chapter 2 being verse 1. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like this? He's blaspheming. How can he forgive sins? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Rise, take up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out from before them. So they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him. And he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And he, being Jesus, reclined at table in his house. Many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Thus far in God's word, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that as we look at it, Lord, you would prepare my heart to deliver what I prepared and even carry me in just the way you want it said. And I pray for their ears and hearts that you would give them soft hearts to receive your word planted. In the name of Christ, amen. So when I was, um, so I had a good friend in high school. We've actually stayed friends ever since. And um, when I was in high school, so teenagers, um, listen close. Uh, God can use you when you're in high school. You don't have to be an adult, right? So at lunch, I didn't have anyone to sit with, and so I was sitting there reading a little New Testament. Well, this guy didn't have anyone to sit with either, so he sat with me. We became friends invited him to Young Life. and went to Young Life through high school, and uh, I went to Virginia Tech, came back my first summer. We went to see a movie, and after that, I shared the gospel with him, and he received Christ. He said, I haven't heard this before. I do want to to pray. I, I want Christ to be my Savior. Well, fast forward to just a couple years ago, two or three years ago, um, he had a brain tumor. Um, And so I went with him and his parents to John Hopkins um, to have that surgery. A wild story. Ask me sometime, I'll tell you the story of that. Um, But um, all all that part is the true part of the story. But imagine, I don't remember how that tumor was discovered. Imagine that he went to his doctor, say for, he thought he's having headaches and he says, I think I need glasses. Right, And so through examination, the The doctor realizes, no, you don't need glasses. You get a brain tumor. It's something way more serious. I don't know if you've ever had that experience. You're sure you know what the problem is, and uh, you are the doctor to tell him what's wrong. And he's like, well, that's a nice theory, but here's what's really happening. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. I think we see this in this passage a little bit. So the four guys bring the lame guy. Why were they there? You know, they don't actually say anything in our whole story. Four guys and the guy that's laying on the mat. Don't say a word. But we can pretty well guess why they're there, right? Probably to get healed, right? And they were so committed to that. But Jesus surprises them. I mean, we're going to look at that. But Let's look at page 7. You're going to see the outline there of where we're going in the big picture. Uh, Jesus uses our felt needs to get our attention and to draw us to him. And we'll unpack that idea. But how will you respond? In this passage, we see three responses. Some seek felt needs only. Then, secondly, some disbelieve. And then, third, some believe. So let's look at that first one. Some seek felt needs only. Look back at those first two verses. All right, so the context he's at home. Uh, everyone finds out they all gather there. They're all packed in there, right? He's teaching, and there's no room, right? Place is all packed out. This is a very normal situation, I imagine. This probably happened a lot to Jesus but it gets less normal in a second. So look what happens next. So four guys come. I mean, you just imagine, you're inside that room, right? And you hear footsteps on the roof. Not too weird. They oftentimes would go up on the roofs. Um, kids, what does your roof look like? it look like this? Their roofs are often flat, okay? So don't imagine your roof. This is very different. I mean, I'll tell you in a second what's made of. Um, so they hear footsteps, not weird. Well, then they start to hear these strange sounds, and then a beam of light comes through as people are tearing a hole in the roof. That's got to be weird. Wouldn't that be weird? And then what do you think happened? Did Jesus like just teach through it? Like just ignore the hole in the roof. I'm going to keep talking. That would be really weird. Or if he stops and everyone's just staring. That would, so I don't know what happened. But either scenario, it's got to be weird. Right? You're like, what in the world is happening? Someone is ripping a hole in the roof above us. Right? And so then they lower this guy down. The crazy situation. Um, okay, so kids, let me tell you about the roofs. So roofs then would be like crisscross. Um, so think of like beams of wood. They're going both directions. And then on top of that, they would overlay it with brushwood, um, limbs. And then on that would be a thick blanket of mud and clay. Okay? So it, you could actually rip through this. So it's not like your roof where there's shingles and plywood. They could, with their hands, dig through all this. So that's important to know. Um, okay, so that's the roof. But think about the friends. Like how much do you have to love a guy to like, first you're carrying him. But you're literally carrying him to Jesus because you know he needs healing. And then you're like, huh, there's no, no way in. I got an idea. I mean, one of the guys was like, I got a great idea. You know, let's go, let's go tear a hole in the roof. They're like, all right, why not, right? But I mean, think about that. Think about their love for their friend, of what lengths they went to to get their friend in front of Jesus. That takes a lot of love. You heard the term felt needs. Um, kids, you might not know that term. Um, it's real simple. A felt need is a need that you feel. Have you ever, like... Um, been mom or it was late for lunch, to make lunch or dinner right and or you're going out and you have to wait forever for it to get your food served how do you feel have you ever said this line I'm starving to death have you ever said that to your mom or dad I'm so hungry that is a felt need you feel that need don't you we all feel that need all right what about education do you have that same felt need I just need some education this summer I can't go any longer right no one says that right it's not a felt it's a need you have but it's not a felt need. For all the educators, you know that that's not the case. Um, so, yes, yeah, so that's what a felt need is. We all have felt needs. Now, now being a paralytic, that's an extremely uh, high level of felt. Right? He, he can't walk. He feels that very intensely. Um, but what's interesting is what happens, right? That, that's what gets him there, right? The four guys are carrying him, obviously, because he's a paralytic, because he has a need that they all sense. And they're like, our buddy can't walk. We can walk. We want him to be able to, and so we're taking him to Jesus. Do you have felt needs? Like, do you have things that, either whether it's, like, a physical thing that doesn't work, um, that, like, drives you crazy or an illness or something that really changes your life, or just the needs that we all feel, right? People have lost their job. You have felt need for income. Don't you all have felt need for that one? Right? When you, when you have the absence, you, you know what your needs are? When you lose something, right? When you're really sick, you realize, Wow. Walking and breathing and, like, functioning, I never appreciate that so much until I was sick. All right, so think about this. So I want to make that contrast. You have these categories, felt needs, but what does Jesus do? Right, the guy, they finally ripped this hole in, the guys before him, he shocks everyone because what does he say? Your sins are forgiven. That's not what anyone was expecting, right? And so there's this, like, awkward silence of, like, okay, I'm guessing that they didn't rip a hole in the ceiling so that you could say, I forgive your sins, so what he's so some people think about you. Why why did you come today? Think for a moment. Why are you here? You don't have to tell me, but think about it. why did why did you come to church? Many people come to church for felt needs. there's community. I love these people in this room. Right. And if you're new, you'll discover that too. They're really nice people. They're great friends. I enjoy spending time with you guys. And so that draws some to church. There's a need to. Um, I want my kids to be raised in the right way. I want a better marriage. I'm hoping that my spouse is paying attention during this. Right? There's lots of reasons that people come to church. Right? And the same was true with the paralytic. That's what drove them there. They would not have been in front of Jesus, that paralytic, unless he had this big need. If that guy was walking, I guarantee no one would rip the roof open to get him inside. Does that make sense, just that concept? So God uses needs that we feel to bring us to him. And we'll unpack this more. I mean, I think some of the shock, I mean, the, the, the whole thing is weird, right? That they're just, they're shocked that he says, I forgive you of your sins. Why did he do that? And here, this is, I think this is important to understand. Why is forgiveness of sins someone's greatest need? Do you know the answer to that? Why is forgiveness of sins their greatest need? Even for a paralytic, it's more than to be able to walk. Here's why. One day, Jesus is coming back. If you haven't heard that, it's true. He's coming back. When he comes back, he will judge all of us, all of humanity, and for every careless word I've ever said, for every careless thought, this is true of you too, every careless thought you've ever had, every careless thing you've done, you know the Ten Commandments, every time you disobeyed it, all those things stand against me, right? You have a record too, right, of all these things. And there will be justice that day. And Jesus warns in Matthew 13, The Son of Man will send His angels. You saw at the end, and they will gather out of His kingdom all who cause sin and all lawbreakers. You don't have to raise your hand. I'll just raise your hand on behalf of all of you. You are lawbreakers, and I am too. You've sinned. We've all broken His rules. Okay, that's us. It says that those people. I'm going to give a caveat why this doesn't apply to us. Are thrown into the fiery furnace. In that place, are we weeping and gnashing of teeth? That sounds far worse than being a paralytic, doesn't it? Right? So his need was this big, and there's this huge need that we all have this big debt, right? Well, the reason I don't fear him coming back is because of somebody named Jesus, right? He said, I forgive you for your sins, which meant that paralytic, the rest of his life, if he never got healed, knew that when he died, he would not face that judgment, right? That greatest need. I mean, if you have a choice between walking for 50, 60, 70 years and suffering in hell forever, I hope it's a pretty obvious choice to which we're going to pick, right? No brainer. And that's what Jesus was doing, that he started with that. He said, this guy comes down. It's obvious why he's here. And he says, let me heal your greatest need and shock everyone. Because I think he wanted everyone to think for a second and realize that's my greatest need. Even this guy, his greatest need is not to walk, but is to know Jesus. So the second point is how do people respond? So some people just come for the felt needs, right? Then the secondly, some disbelieve. Okay, let's look back. Look at five, right? This is when Jesus says he, the guy comes down, and he says, Your sins are forgiven. Now think about that for a second. Did you remember just a second? Um, the guy up here was named Andy. Andy said to you, he said, Hey, let's confess our sins together. And then he said, he read a Bible verse assuring us of forgiveness. Now, did he do the same thing that Jesus did? Jesus said, I forgive you of your sins. Okay, let me even take it further. What about Catholic confession? You might have heard of that, right? Catholic confession. You go and you confess your sins to the priest and then he says you're forgiven, right? Are all three of these the same? Is there any difference? Did he commit blasphemy? (laughs) No. The good news is no, he didn't. Here's here's the difference. All right, so here, um, here you are. Or no, let's say, um, here's Andy, and here you are, right? And he said, let's confess our sins together. You did not confess your sins to Andy. You confess your sins to God, right? And so then Andy said, hey, look, the Bible says, so that's God, that you are forgiven. See that? So the, he's, he's modeling you, and this is what Brandon does week after week, right? So then on Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, when you sin and you are like, I should not have spoken to my spouse that way. That you go to God and you say, God, I confess my sins. You don't need to come to me. Don't call me. You don't need to come confess it to me. <clears throat> um, unless this is a pattern and then I'm happy to talk to you about that, but that's a different story, right? But you don't need to, we don't, you don't come through. I'm not, I'm not your priest, right? So that's one reason we don't do Catholic confession, right? Because you don't need me as a mediator. It says this in Scripture. There is one mediator between God and man, and it's not Nathan or Andy or Brandon. It is Jesus. That's in 1 Timothy. First Timothy says that. That's really, really important. Does that, do you understand the difference between these three? In all three, you are not getting your forgiveness through us. We're just another man. I have to confess my sins. I'm a man like you. So is Andy. So is Brandon. And so we're repenting to God. But Jesus, now what did Jesus do? It was different than what anyone else can do. He actually said, I forgive you of your sins. Your sins are forgiven. At that moment, your sins are forgiven. You see, to heal him, what would that cost um, Jesus? Heal the paralytic? Absolutely nothing. I mean, he had the power. All he'd say was, "Stamp up and walk. Didn't cost him a thing. What did it cost him to say, your sins are forgiven? In that moment, just let this sink in. In that moment, when he said those words, Jesus knew what it meant. He understood that he personally would have to carry every one of those sins that that guy did in his whole life to the cross. Isn't that amazing? It was weighty. And so he even says this, verse 9. Did you catch verse 9? Look at verse 9. Jesus says, which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk? It's obvious, right? I mean, one's more visible, but one is way harder. One is way harder. It's, it's not like the greatest need. It's the most difficult one. It's the most costly for Jesus. So you see, when we compare this between the felt need and the deepest need, there's no comparison of which one is so deep and so much bigger. But does everyone respond great to that? Nope, look at, what, look at this verses right after 5. So immediately after he says that, the scribes, that's the Jewish religious leaders, what are they doing there? I mean, obviously they don't believe because of what they say. Maybe they're jealous, maybe they're curious. Look what they say. So they're, in their, they're thinking in their hearts. Now some of this, this is verse 6. Now some of the scribes were sitting there Questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Well, so they're right about something, right? What are they right about? Only God can forgive sins, right? It's true. But Jesus is God. But they don't believe that. They disbelieve. He, disbelief is way more dangerous than AIDS or cancer. Disbelief sends people to hell. It's true. I mean, their sins send them to hell, but it keeps them from being rescued from hell. Make sense? They disbelieved. They said, Who are you to say this forgiveness of sins? But Jesus did not give anyone that day the opportunity to just live on the earthly level, just on felt knees, right? What if he had just said, like, the guy came down? I'm sorry, there's a little microphone's cr- crinky, but it's all right. <clears throat> um, oh, so what if he just, the guy came down and he just healed him, right? Everyone would have celebrated, they never would have to face the identity of Jesus. Jesus often did this. Jesus is the master of bringing unbelief into view. He still is today. He's doing it this morning. You see, every time the four Gospels are read, he's bringing to the surface something that you have to do something with. You are faced this morning with the identity of Jesus, and he's saying, I have the ability to forgive sins. What do you believe about that? Are you? Have you personally placed your faith in him? Is he the one that you're trusting to be your king? The, the lame man, the paralytic that day did, didn't he? He placed his faith. Now, if you're a Christian, don't, don't stop listening. Are you still in desperate need of a savior? Are you still in desperate need of a savior? I am. I, Nathan Francis, am in desperate need of a savior. I'm very painfully aware of that of my sin, of my shortcomings as a father, as a husband, as a pastor. And so I cling to Christ. I hope you do too. Well, unfortunately, the religious leaders did not, right? They're full of unbelief. So look look later. Verse 15 to 17, right? So this is, now he's like called this like guy everybody hates, Levi. You might have heard the gospel of Matthew. He goes by both names, okay? Matthew, Levi, same guy, all right? So he calls Matthew his Professions hated by everyone, but look at 15. He goes and has dinner, Jesus does it at his house with a bunch of other basically social lowlife, right? Tax collectors and sinners. The Jews, no good Jew ate dinner with these folks, okay? And Jesus is there to kick back and enjoy the meal with them. Well, what, what did the Pharisees say this time? Look at 16. We know they didn't believe, they didn't respond this way, because look what they do. Look at 16, the scribes of Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to the disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? <laughs> Jesus heard it, said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came to call the righteous, or not to call the righteous, but sinners. Are you sick? Are you spiritually sick? Now, the righteous, I thought that Romans 3 says there's no righteous. doesn't say that. It says that in Romans 3.10. No one is righteous. No, not one. Then what is Jesus saying? He says, I did not come to call these people the righteous. I came to call sinners. But the Bible says there are none of those people. What, is it? what does Jesus mean? Do you see the problem? Right? He says, I'm call, I didn't come to call the righteous. The, it's, you put it in like, the, there weren't um, air quotes then, right? The righteous who were the righteous, they were the religious leaders, right? They didn't think they were spiritually sick. They're like, what are you doing hanging out with those lowlife? But little did they realize that they, Jesus just talks about them, they're like um, tombs, whitewashed tombs, dead bones inside and a pretty outside exterior, right? That's what they were. And so it's still true. There are people that I ask and say, hey, I love this question. Um, If you were to die tonight and stand before God, they would say, why should I let you into heaven? I've asked lots of people that question. And I usually get one of two answers. Think for a second, how would you answer that question? You die tonight, you go before God, and he says, why should I let you in here? Right? What would you say? I get one of two answers. Either I get the answer of, I think I'm basically a good person, or or that I've I've, I've tried, I go to church, I do good things, I haven't killed anyone, I'm trying to be a good husband or wife or father, mother, or I'm a scumbag and Jesus died for me. Basically the only two answers I get. Right, they, this different flavors. This right, I know I have no business ever going to heaven. It's just because of Jesus, right? So this, when he says, "I came not to call the righteous," that's all the people that I talk to that say, "I think that I'm going to get to heaven because I'm basically a good person." Do you see that? They say, I, "He came not to call the healthy; he came to call the sick." Are you healthy or sick? And even as a Christian, don't we still don't we still have need of him? Are you aware of that? I mean, I, the further I go, the more, the bigger sinner I am, right? Because the more I understand about God, the more I understand my heart and just how sinful it is, right? And so that's who Jesus came for. You have come to worship this morning, a gentle physician. He's not harsh. He loves you. He knows you. He knows you like no one else does. He knows everything that's hidden. He knows all those secret sins and he wants you to be aware of that so then you can come Have you ever been around someone that that never goes to the doctor? I I don't need the doctor. It's fine. It's just a sprain. It's going to get better. It's not broken. I'm just fine. I don't. It's just a cough. Right? It's seasonal. Right? And uh, are, are those people healthy? They said they are. Does that make them healthy? No. Right? They're just, they're in denial. It doesn't make them healthy. And so there are lots of people that are in denial they don't go to the doctor, and that's, uh, this is not a, an ad for your, your physician. Your physician not pay me to <laughs> to say that, right? But spiritually, we all need to come to Jesus. Christians and not, you need to come to Jesus. So that, that brings us to our third point. <clears throat> Some actually believe. Look at verse 9, right? So let me get back there. Okay, so then, oh, this is great, right? So he says, which is easier, your sins are forgiven, or rise up and walk? Then he says, the Son of Man has authority, just so you know, that you may know that he has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. Jesus still cares about your felt needs. He still cares about your illnesses, your marital problems, your kids' problems, everything. Right? He cares about all those things. And so he still meets this need, right? And he shows his power. That is a testimony to you that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ. This is true. This is history. I mean, this is like the ultimate mic drop moment, right? I won't drop a mic. Don't worry. But he says, like, get up and walk. And, like, he gets up and he walks. Because they're questioning him, like, oh, sure, easy for you to say. Sins are forgiven. You're just doing that because you can't heal the guy. It's like, oh, well, get up and walk. Jesus is, he's flexing, right? He's showing that he has the power to do this. But look, look how people, some people respond. Some respond, great, right? And he gets up, he leaves. They were amazed and they glorify God. They worship God. We've never seen anything like this. And then Levi believes too, doesn't he? Levi is a tax collector and he follows Jesus. My prayer is that we would follow Jesus. Look at this, so verse 16, it says in the scribes of the Pharisees, so then they question and say, why does he eat with his people? He says, I came not for the, for the well, but for the sick. It's so good. And in conclusion, we close up today. Um, I want to I draw a couple last things. Um, Jesus wants to not only address your felt needs, but your deepest needs. And once he has, it gives you a whole new perspective on every other need you have. All of us have something broken, right? There's some part of your body that does not work the way you wish it did, right? And you really wish that God would just fix that. And so God gives us that. And as we feel that pain, we pray to him, please, please make it better, make it better. But to realize that your deepest need is already met. If he never meets that need, he's not done you wrong. Do you believe that? If he never meets that need, he's not done you wrong. He has dealt with your greatest need. And it was a really costly one. It cost him dying on the cross. So he's still praying, and and many times he does. He says, rise up and walk, right? He he does take care of people's felt needs, the the short-term things. But understanding the really big need has been met. If you're a Christian, it gives you comfort and perspective on the small need. Does that make sense? If you're not a Christian, we better get this dealt with. Don't leave here today without dealing with it. If he is not your king, that is a really big problem. It's way bigger than if you're a paraplegic. That you are trusting in Christ alone to forgive you of your sins. And if he has, then your greatest need is taken care of. The greatest need you'll ever have. It gives you a whole new perspective. When you suffer, it's really hard. And I have the same problem. Isn't it easy to get discouraged? Our emotions follow the track of our felt needs. What Jesus offers is, is that realizing that he's met this big need gives you joy in your salvation during all the other problems in your marriage, with your kids, with your body. Does that comparison make sense? It's really, really important. C.S. Lewis said this in a book called The Problem of Pain. God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our conscience, but he shouts to us in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. God wants us not to go to hell, and so he uses all these felt needs to get our friends to carry us. Do you have friends that need Jesus? Are you willing to carry them? Are you willing to rip a roof open to get them to Jesus? Are you willing to rip a roof open to get them to Jesus? Those four were. God uses these things. He's using these things to give us, to, as C.S. Lewis said, to be a megaphone for a deaf world. He wants to use these needs to get our attention. I also want you to remember that as I and you are so, so weak, That we need others to carry us to Jesus. Do you have friends that carry you to Jesus? Are you ever so weak that you feel like you can't get to Jesus? This is so, so important. I have friends who carry me to Jesus. I hope you do too. It's so, so helpful to have people carry you to Jesus. This is our whole purpose. You heard prayer triads? If you haven't, it's one of the ministries of our church. There's a flyer back there, I can tell you about it some other time, but it's that's the whole purpose. It is our carry people to Jesus ministry. That's what it is. That We lean on each other. You need friends in your life that you can lean on when it gets really tough and you feel like my legs don't work anymore to carry you and rip a hole in the roof to get you to Jesus. I close with verse 17. Those who are well have no need of a physician. Oh, I hope none of you think you're well. But those who are sick, I am sick and so are you. Jesus came to call, not the righteous, but sinners. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you as sick. We come to you both from the past. We have a whole load of of sin from our younger years, and we continue to add to it. We thank you so much that those of us who have placed our faith in you, you've dealt with our biggest need. Lord, I really want you to deal with my felt needs. I want you to deal with their felt needs. I want you to deal with the things that drive them crazy day in and day out. But Lord, I pray that there would be no one here, no one, literally not a soul in this room that leaves this world without placing their faith in you. That they would find you to be their savior. Not just come to church, but lean on you that they may understand you saying to them, son, daughter, your sins are forgiven. Something I can never do, but you can, Jesus. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.